You're listening to Cross Section, the podcast of the Summit View Church of Christ. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. You know, as, as we're worshiping uh, from home right now, the thought uh, struck me that our homes, uh, they are already places of holiness if we are walking with God. And to the extent that we're faithful to that, uh, they become places that are sanctified uh, by God, by His presence as His Holy Spirit dwells in us and is there in our homes with us. And I just want to encourage you, as you're uh, taking time to worship God, uh, maybe by yourself, or maybe with your family, uh, there in your own home, uh, think of your home as as something of a sacred space, and made more holy by uh, the worship that you offer to God, as you pray, as you study God's Word, as you just recognize Him and acknowledge Him, uh, not only on Sundays, but every day. Let your home be a sacred space where God is invited in and uh, where you share time with Him. We do that all the time, but how much more now, right, as we're apart from each other and not able to gather for worship? You know, there are some places in the world where followers of Jesus are kept from meeting together, not because of a virus, but because of persecution. So this, this data I'm about to give you is from uh, opendoorsusa.org. And so you can look up uh, this information and, and more uh, if you want to. They have far more than what I'll share with you here. But I'll, I'll give you the data. You see if you can guess the country. All right? In one country, there are 1.9 million Christians. It's just under 5% of the population. There was a major war there just a few years ago, and ever since the war, when the nation split, Christians have been oppressed by the Islamic government. It's illegal there to even try to convert a Muslim to Christianity. And the government, according to this website, has been demolishing church buildings that have been in use in that country for years. Thousands of Christians have been killed or displaced by the persecution there. Some Christians actually avoid raising their children as Christians because children are not good at keeping secrets. And and so the parents can't risk uh, sharing Christ with their kids lest the kids say something at the wrong moment and people find out and then persecution comes against that family maybe maybe they're killed or or separated or sent away because of their faith you know it's hard to go to church when you're trying desperately to keep the change in your faith from islam to christianity a secret what country is this this is the country of sudan in north africa Another country, there are about 300,000 Christians there, about 1% of the population. The official religion of this nation is atheism. If Christians are discovered in this country, they are killed immediately or 
arrested and sent away to labor camps as political criminals. If you're a Christian in this country, you have to keep your faith completely secret. As in Sudan, Christian parents in this country don't tell their kids about their faith until the kids are grown enough to be older teenagers who can keep a secret. And yet, the church in this land is growing, and especially in the labor camps. What country is this? North Korea in Asia. In another country, there are about 800,000 Christians, we think, just under 1% or so of the population. It's illegal in this country to share your faith with non-Christians or to produce Christian literature or hold church services in the nation's official language, which is Farsi. So Christians there meet in secret house churches, uh, underground church as we call it, but those house churches, if they're found, uh, if they're found out, they're raided by the government, and Christian leaders are imprisoned on charges of crimes against national security. Only Christians from Armenian and Ars- uh, and Assyrian churches are allowed to practice openly, and they too face discrimination. What country is this? This is Iran, in the Middle East. Having a building to meet in safely in Iran is something that Christians there can only imagine. They've not experienced that in decades, if not longer. In normal times, they meet secretly in houses to avoid the government's attention. Right now, because of the COVID-19 virus, uh, businesses have been closed down in Iran. Schools have been closed down. I mean, the same thing we're experiencing here is happening to a greater or lesser degree worldwide. It's happening in Iran as well. And even secret house churches have had to close down. They also cannot get together right now. Like a lot of us, they can only meet online. We are not the first to not be able to meet together. And so during this time of social distancing, we are alone. And yet... We are not alone. For many of our brothers and sisters across the world are dealing with the same need for social distancing as we are. And some have to worship in hiding. In fact, we share in a heritage of people who over the centuries have worshipped God whether in the open or in hiding, together whenever possible, otherwise apart, and yet have been faithful. Like, for example, this man early in biblical history, you may figure out who he is. He was torn apart from his family when he was 17 years old, but he continued to be faithful to God, even when for 22 years He was the only person who worshipped our God in a land where everyone worshipped the Egyptian gods. To our knowledge, he was the only person who worshipped our God in that land. And he continued to trust in God until, at last, God reunited him with his family, the only other believers in his God, in our God, that we know of from that time period. This man was Joseph in the Bible's book 
of Genesis. Another man, later in history, had to flee for his life from a powerful ruler. This man fled with a, a group of his supporters and went and hid in a cave for some time. And while he was there, he wrote this prayer, which is now Psalm 142 in our Bibles. He said, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watch over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise your name. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. Well, the author of this psalm, who wrote it as he was calling out to God and worshiping and praying and pleading for help from inside a cave, was David. He worshiped God in a cave and prayed desperately for God to be his refuge, his safe place, because he had no other as he was hiding from wicked King Saul. Another man about four centuries after David. During one of the exiles of Jews from Jerusalem to Babylon, he was a young man and was torn away from most of the other Jews in exile and placed in the capital city with just a few other Jews as far as we can tell uh, to be trained in Babylonian language and culture in preparation for service to the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. This man and the other Jews around him were heavily outnumbered by people committed to the idols and religion of Babylon. He had every incentive to give up his faith in God and follow the lead of the powerful and the mighty in Babylon and worship their gods. But he didn't. He never wavered in his faith, even when he couldn't meet with many of his fellow believers. But he continued to honor the Lord. Decades after his exile, when he was an old man, he still continued to pray to God three times a day. And he did so even when the king made praying to God illegal for a short time. He just kept right on. This man was Daniel. A few centuries after Daniel, there was a group of men who hid in a house with all the doors locked because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had crucified Jesus and might also come looking for them. Yet, even as they hid behind locked doors, God did something amazing for these people. These were the apostles of Jesus. And John 20, verse 19, tells us, what God did for them while they were in hiding. 
On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. The disciples were inside a locked house because they were scared to death. What had happened to Jesus could happen to them. The Messiah they had trusted and the man they believed was sent from God had been killed. What might the officials do to them if they found them, these followers of Jesus? They were not looking for God to do something wonderful for them there inside that locked house. They were just trying to survive. But God had something wonderful in mind for them. And he did do something amazing for them inside that locked house. Jesus, who had been crucified and buried, appeared to them there despite the locked doors. He was alive. He was raised from the dead. God does great things among his people even when they have to hide. He revealed to them the risen Lord. And God is going to do great things, is already doing great things among our sisters and brothers who are in hiding when they worship in Iran, in North Korea, in Sudan. May God bless them. Another man, a couple of days later, when he was in prison for serving God, he sang and prayed in the, in the prison. Acts 16, verse 25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Paul, the apostle, and along with him, his partner, Silas. Even prison could not stop them, cannot stop any of God's people from worshiping him. And it certainly cannot stop God from working powerfully in their lives. In fact, as they sang and prayed, Paul and Silas were set free from their prison by an earthquake that God sent that broke their chains and opened the prison doors. A man faithful to God 
was taken to Rome for trial a few years later, was brought to appear before the emperor's court, which, as you could imagine, could get pretty busy. He waited under house arrest there in Rome for two years. And even though he couldn't go to meet with the church during that time because he was under house arrest, even though he couldn't get out and do ministry in the city but had to stay home all the time like some of us now, God still worked powerfully through him. This is the Apostle Paul again. Acts 28 verses 30 and 31, the last two verses of the book of Acts says, For two whole years Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Notice that he couldn't go out and see them, but they could come to him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. He was under house arrest for two years, and yet Paul remained faithful to God and taught those who came to him, continuing to proclaim the kingdom of God boldly and without hindrance. Without hindrance. Even his being under house arrest could not hinder God's work in his life or his proclamation of the gospel. And our social distancing can't stop the work of God in our lives either. Our options for how we might serve God look different right now from than uh, what we're used to. But if we're faithful, God will continue to work through us to build up his kingdom and to bless people around us with the good news of Jesus. If the cross couldn't stop the work of God in Jesus, and if persecution is not deterring the growth of God's kingdom in places like Iran and North Korea, there's no way a little social distancing is going to stop the work of God in his church here or anywhere else. For our God took the cross which was intended to destroy Jesus, to bring him to a sudden end. And God turned Jesus' death on that cross into a sacrifice that pays for our sins against God and sets us free from God's judgment that will one day come upon the world. If God could use that cross to bring about our forgiveness, then there is nothing in this world that can stop him from carrying out his work in the lives of the people who love him. Not in China, where I've, I've heard that our brothers and sisters in Christ have to remove the batteries from their cell phones when they go to gather together in someone's home secretly to worship with the church. They have to do that so the government won't track them. Not in Iran, where some estimates suggest that the church may be growing faster than anywhere else in the world. Who would have thought? But in Iran, estimates say that the church is growing by 20% a year. It's doubling in size every five years. Christians there are ostracized by their society, yet they are faithful. They have no buildings, no right to meet together, very little freedom of religion, yet they're faithful, and God is doing powerful things among them. We stand in a long tradition of 
men and women who have been faithful to God, who have had to meet in small groups or alone or even in hiding. Yet they were and are faithful to God. And why do they do this? Why do they persist when it's so hard? Why do they not just give up and quit? Why do we Christians throughout the ages keep meeting together in whatever ways we can find to do so? Why do we worship together whenever we can and and worship alone when we cannot get together? Why do we do this? Because God loved us so much that he gave his son to die so that we could be forgiven. And we absolutely love him in return. We have given our lives to Jesus who gave his life for us. So whatever the situation, we continue on without shame, without fear, without worry, never growing weary. For even when we are alone, we are not alone. 1 John 4 verse 13 says, This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. God's Holy Spirit lives in us, in each of us who have become children of God. We are never alone. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 says, For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. All of us in Christ are joined together through the Holy Spirit so that we are all one body. Even us who have to worship from our homes right now. Even our sister in Sudan who has to hide her faith even from her own family. Even our brothers in North Korea who are forced to live in labor, labor camps just because they follow Jesus. By the unity of the Holy Spirit who lives in each one of us, we are all one body. We are never alone. In the Holy Spirit, We are connected not only with God, but also with our faithful sisters and brothers of ages past, some of whom had beautiful church buildings, some of whom met under trees, some of whom met in each other's homes, and some of whom met in secret, some of whom worshipped privately in prison, knowing the church out there somewhere beyond the prison walls was worshiping too and was praying for them. In the Holy Spirit and in our faith, we're connected with Joseph and David and Daniel and the apostles of Jesus and and the apostle Paul and so many who have been so faithful to God through circumstances so harsh that they make what we're going through right now look easy by comparison. One day, in eternal life, all who have ever worshipped God alone because of a pandemic or persecution or prison 
or just because there weren't any other Christians where they lived, will all be together in the presence of God. People from every tribe, language, and nation. And together we will sing out the praises of our God. Never again in hiding. Never again afraid. Never again sick. Never again alone. So today, as we see that day coming, we worship God together as best we can, even if we are alone. For in God our good Father, and in Christ Jesus our Lord, and in the Holy Spirit, we are never alone. Praise be to God. May God bless you. Let's pray. Our Father, to whatever extent we are alone today, separated from family perhaps, perhaps separated from uh, other believers, certainly separated from being able to assemble uh, with the whole church. Lord, as, uh, as we are alone, to whatever degree we are alone, Lord, would you comfort us? Would you encourage us with the knowledge that we are not by any means alone, not really, but that you are close to us through your Spirit, uh, given to us uh, through Christ, by God our good Father. We are together with one another in, in the Holy Spirit and in deep love. Lord, we thank you for that knowledge. We pray for those who have it harder than we do, for those who are alone because of illness, perhaps uh, the, the COVID-19 virus or some other illness or disease, for those who are in prison uh, because they have loved your name and uh, fell into disfavor with those in authority because of that. For those who uh, must worship together in secret uh, because of persecution. And for those who worship alone because in the place where they live there are just so few uh, Christians that they, there just aren't any uh, near enough for them to worship with. Lord, for all of these we ask your blessing in a very special way. We pray that you would comfort them and that you would give them strength and that you would build them up in faith and also that you would help us to have a faith like theirs uh, for they are diligent in their devotion to you. Lord, we honor them and we give you thanks for them and we honor them because they follow the lead of Jesus our Lord and they walk in his steps. Uh, he, above all others, gave his life for your glory and to do your will and because he loved us. And we're very grateful. And we love you, and we love Jesus, our Lord, in return. We lift up our prayer to you today, Lord, and we give you thanks for your kindness to us. Bless us in the week to come. We look to you daily for our strength. You, as David wrote, are our refuge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> May God be with you this week.